as they're heading down, we've been in a series on the book of James. We've been looking at the script, what the scriptures have to tell us from that particular book. I don't know, I've got a screwdriver up here. I don't know what that's for, but I could get out of control, so I'm going to put that there on the ground. All right, so from the, we're going along. We're in chapter 3. We've started this process of looking at what the book of James has to say, and we'll remember, certainly you remember, this is just for those who haven't been here, because I know everybody else remembers everything, but those who haven't been here, or maybe you're just picking this up, this series is from the book of James, and James is writing to Christians, okay? He's not writing necessarily to non-Christians. He's writing to people who have made a decision like Ian made today. All right, so they've already made a decision that they want to follow Christ. Now, the information is applicable to everyone, but he's specifically writing to them, and they've been scattered across um, the Roman provinces. They've had some challenges, and he's helping them through the power of the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to live in such a way that they can put their faith into practice. And this is so applicable because it's very difficult to correctly and rightly put our faith into practice. And so James is very, very practical. He, he's not using a lot of religious words. He wants people to understand that, hey, what we do matters. Our faith is something that's lived out. And if it's not something we're doing, then it's not even real. And so he moves to talk today about really the power of the tongue. And every one of us know how powerful our tongue is and our words. By tongue, really, we're talking about our words and what we say. All right, and so I want to read to you these 12 verses. I'm going to read them all today, and I would, if you don't mind, ask you to stand. Don't do this often, but let's stand to honor the public reading of the Scriptures together. From James chapter 3, starting in verse 1, he writes, Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. Indeed, we all make many mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. But a tiny spark can set a great forest fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, and you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. May God bless the public reading of his word. You may be seated. So basically James begins to give us this description using a number of analogies. I mean, he uses a whole bunch of analogies to describe how important and how powerful the tongue is or how powerful our words are. I'm not going to say that this is an exhaustive list, but we see very clearly five things that are described here 
in these few verses in James about the power of our words. Now he does something very interesting. Those of you who are educators know that when you're communicating, you use different literary devices. And so oftentimes you use analogies, you use similes, you use different things. And so he kind of gives an example from the analogy, but there is an implied opposite to those. And so you can learn something about how powerful our words are by looking at what he says, but then also at the implied opposite of that. The first thing that we see there is that our words, and I say our words, my words, your words, have the power to teach. He talks about how important it is to teach, but he does put in there a warning that people will be accountable for the role that they have. He even puts a warning in there that not many and not everyone should just say, oh, I want to teach at the church or be a minister because they will be judged in a more strict manner. Now, I want to say this here because this is so important. Our words have the power to teach, and every one of us are teaching people with our words. At work, in your position of leadership, you're teaching people with your words. Sometimes those words need to be firm. Sometimes those words need to be soft. Sometimes they need to be harsh. But they all need to have a purpose to teach people to be what you would have them to be and what ultimately needs to happen. Now, if you're in a position of teaching specifically at a church or in the realm of teaching people about God, you will be held to a higher standard. Now, this flies in the face of the equity kind of mindset that's out there in the world today. You see, people don't want to be accountable for things. People don't want to be accountable for their words. See, if you accept responsibility or privilege or a, a role, you, it comes with a cost. What is the movie? It says with, was it Spider-Man? He says with great, what comes great responsibility, great power? comes great responsibility. Well, listen, when you take on a role to teach people or in leadership, you have a huge responsibility to make sure that you're teaching them correctly. How often are our words teaching people the wrong thing? Maybe with the words we're using, maybe the way we're using them. Maybe we're withholding the right words and we're teaching by not really teaching. These are all things that we struggle, but every one of us have the power to teach others with our words. How would it change what you do tomorrow if you approached your conversations in the morning with your kids, the first encounter with a coworker, the people that you do business with, if you realize, hey, my words have the power to teach something? It's going to teach people what's important to me. It's going to teach people what I value. It's going to teach them what I think about God. It's going to teach so many things. Our words have the power to teach. And make no mistake, we will be accountable. There's a passage in the Bible that somewhat scares me a little bit. It says that we will be accountable for every word spoken. See, we tend in this world to just run off at our mouth. And we say things we shouldn't. We let our emotions outrun us and outrun our brain power and our ability to control our tongue. Well, guess what? We're going to be accountable for those things because our words have the power to teach. The second thing we see right here is that our words have the power to direct. Okay? Now, you know this as a parent. Your words direct people on a daily basis. In your job, oftentimes, your words direct people. He uses the example of the bit and how the little bit seems so small, but yet it has the power to direct the 
the mighty horse. The rudder is just such a small little piece of metal, right, or wood, whatever it's on. But if you turn it just the right way, the whole ship goes a different direction. How often have you seen just using your words wrong change the whole direction of everything? You ever been in a negotiation, some of you who are, are in negotiations or seen things, and someone just say the wrong thing in the wrong way and it completely changed the whole direction? You ever said something you're like, I don't want to say that because it just completely changed the direction. Our words are powerful. And it's why that old song says, let your words be few. Because once you let them go, what? You can't get them back. So you got to really think about what you're saying. Words, our tongue has the power to direct. And oftentimes we, we, we kind of focus on examples of how we've said something, our, our words have been used and directed things in the wrong way. But how much more powerful are they to direct in the right way? Look, when you make a mistake, how powerful are words that say, look, I messed up. Let's make this right. Now you've redirected. As a parent, when you do that with your kids, that's huge. As a husband or a wife, as a boss, as an employee, whatever. You can direct things. I mean, you can literally change the course of the future and the direction of the people around you with your words. Your words have the power to direct. Now we see right here, this one he actually uses the negative, okay? Your words have the power to destroy. Haven't we all seen that? How our words can tear other people down. They can tear ourselves down. Some people use their own words to tear themselves down. They tear down all sorts of things. They destroy what they spent a long time building. They destroy them in a moment with the wrong kinds of words. What does he talk about right here? Our voice is like a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. Among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. I mean, just think about the analogy here that the Bible is using for our words. A whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire. I mean, you know how many people I've met who've set their life on fire because they just could not control the words out of their mouth? I've had people crying in front of me in the office saying, I don't know why I say these things. I wish I wouldn't say that, or I can't believe I said that. And, and it's almost like it's consumed them like a fire. They just can't stop. And so you got to really look at what's going on in how do I bring my words under control. I often tell people, I don't do it as much, but when I was a teenager and a young person, we used to play church basketball, and we had church softball, and that, that was something that, that we all did, a lot of the churches in the community. And I got to a point <clears throat> where I had to quit playing because I could not control my mouth and my anger when I would go play. I mean, it's, it's pathetic, really, to say that, a, that a, per, a grown person with good sense and education and all that couldn't control his own mouth. But I couldn't because I would like to jaw and then I'd get upset when I'd upset with the referees and I'd, you know, and I was like, man, what am I doing here? And it would, I, I, I never forget that. I said, I got to quit playing. And look, the point here is there's sometimes you have environments that you need to get away from. Like if you're, and I'll use it like this, if your tongue is like a fire and you can't control it in situations, 
you got to get away from those situations, whatever they are. When you, when you sense a situation like that, just remove yourself. You know, fire's good, gasoline's good, but if you mix fire and gasoline, what happens? You got an explosion. You got to know when and where and how to get away from all these things, and your mouth can get you in a ton of trouble because you can destroy. How many parents say things to their kids that really just tears them down? They feel terrible about it, but they do it in what? They do it in anger or in frustration or in the moment. Our tongue has the power to destroy. Of course, the opposite of that is true as well. It has the power to do what? It has the power to build up. And so, you know, I like that. He says, hey, if you look back there in verse 2, he says, indeed, we all make many mistakes. So it's not like, hey, yeah, it, it was, it's awesome to really learn to control it in every situation, but we don't all do that. We're all going to make mistakes. We're going to mess up and we're going to let our words get out of hand and we're not going to control our tongue. But guess what? We're going to make mistakes, but we've got to make those mistakes right. We can't just continue down that path. We've got to try to... Not destroy people with our words, but build them up. If you set out this week to build people up with your words, how would that change your conversations? I was thinking about that. How can I build others up with my words? See, in my role uh, during the week, oftentimes, I'm dealing with a lot of problems. It's not right or wrong. It's just what my particular role is in the company that I have. Is you know, I'm not necessarily out there doing the work. I'm, you know, bidding on different kinds of work, but I'm dealing with problems oftentimes. And anytime you do anything in life, there's going to be problems. Like if you do anything of significance in your job, in your home, in your in whatever, there's going to be problems because this world is, you know, what it is. Right? There's going to be resistance. And so if your job entails dealing with a lot of problems, all right, it's very easy to do what? to constantly tear people down and destroy things because usually problems happen because what? Somebody does something dumb. Somebody doesn't follow the directions. Somebody does something they shouldn't do. So this, this is how it works, right? It doesn't just work for them. That's how it works for you. When you have problems in your life, it's because you did something dumb or you didn't do what you should have done most often. Now, or if it wasn't you, somebody else did. So what happens is you see already, you see my tendency? to start tearing people down and to doing whatever instead of, look, how do I build others up in these situations? How do I direct people into a better way? How do I teach them a better path? And these are things that I need to apply to myself as well. So the power to destroy lies within our tongue and in our words. And so we want to try to make sure that that's not what we're doing, that we're building others up instead of destroying them. The fourth thing we see here in this particular passage is with our tongue, our words, we have the what power to praise. Look what he says right there. You know, people can praise the Lord and our Father. I mean, we did that today. As they sang, many of you sang, I could hear you, some of you better than others, you know what I'm saying? But you were using your tongue to praise God. Maybe you're in your car and you're singing. I, I, I got a really kick this week. I was driving down 28 East on the way into town, and there was somebody in the car, and they were listening to the K-Love station. You know, and the K-Love station plays Christian music. And I mean, they were, look, they were, we, we need them, Jonathan. I don't know what they sounded like, but they were so passionate. She was just singing, boy, singing, closing her eyes. I was like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. You know, but thankfully she was a red light. But she was praising God, all right? You and I praise God when we sing at church. We praise God maybe when we're having our devotion. We say our prayers. It doesn't have to be just the music, right? We praise God in what we say. 
Look, it was a praise to God whenever Ian declared his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Man, what a powerful, meaningful declaration of praise to God right here for all the world to see, all right? And with that mouth, he did that. And so we have the power to praise God. But we also have the power to do what it says. Curse God. And watch what he says right here. We curse not just with ugly words, which we all do. When we aren't disciplined, use negative words, use vulgar words, all of those things which are not good, not healthy. All right? But notice what he says right here about the worst part of this, about cursing God. They curse God when we curse those who have been made in the image of God. You see, God's very concerned about how we curse other people, how we put them down, how we tear them down, how we don't build them up. See, it really kind of stings a little bit when you think about how we talk to each other who are image bearers of God. Because all of us tend to do what? We've kind of got our little crowd. They look like us. They think like us. They go places we like to go. And we give them a huge measure of grace and forgiveness. And we always look to the best of who they are. And we look to who they could be. But whenever we see people who aren't like us, who aren't in our little circle, who don't think like us, who don't go the places we like to go, what do we do? We only see the worst of them. We look to their worst things and we see the worst of who they are. And so what do we do? We, we talk down about them. We speak ill of them. We curse them. And the Bible says we're not supposed to do that. As Christians... As people who've been down in that water and made a declaration of their life to follow Jesus, we're not supposed to curse other people who are bearers of God's image. We're supposed to praise God. And I think an argument could be made. We praise Him by what? By the way we treat others. That might be more important than just words. But words are important. Do you praise God with your words or do you curse Him? using the wrong kind of words, using vulgar, profane words, talking negative about other people, and by cursing those made in His image, really not praising God. It's a challenge. Number five, my words have the power to produce. You realize your words have the power to produce things, not only in your life. Look, if you... If you tell yourself good things, you know one of the reasons why a lot of that self-help stuff works? is because you're using words properly. Look, if you wake up in the morning and you tell yourself positive things, all right? Now, I'm not saying that it's altering all of reality, but what it does is it puts you in a framework. And so th this, these things do actually help people, all right? So they produce good things. You know, there's laws of attraction and there's all these things that are happening in life. Your words have the power to produce positive things. What are you producing in your life with your words? I mean, are you producing goodness, like good things? Notice what he says right here. He uses a couple of analogies. He's, he's like, look, <clears throat> blessings and curses, he says, shouldn't come out of the same mouth. That's not right. All right, so then he moves on to this hour about pr producing, and he uses a couple of analogies. He says, does spring water, fresh spring water, have both fresh, good water, and bitter water? Nope. 
one or the other. So uh, this analogy is, is if your mouth, your words, your tongue, if that's a spring, and we're going to play this analogy out, is your spring bubbling out good, good fresh water, healthy, good, refreshing things? Or is your mouth bubbling out bitter, nasty, no good things? I don't know. Certainly both could be true, right? He's talking about how it shouldn't be, but then he says it is because it's right. We're not all perfect. We all make many mistakes. But, but the goal is what? How do we make more good things, refreshing, healthy, positive things come out of our mouth instead of salty, bitter, ugly things? But he doesn't just talk about water. He says, does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No. Your mouth's supposed to produce things that grow, good things. Things that people like, healthy, positive things. You know, I was really kind of meditating on this. I mean, what am I producing with my words? You know, young people. You know, young people, they, they have a little world they live in. It's, you know, not completely unlike the world we live in. You know, they, they don't go to work per se, but they go to school. And at their school, they have peers and they have colleagues and they have tasks. They have things they have to do. But it's really, it's, it's heightened. It's very difficult to use good words at school. Positive, healthy, productive words all the time, right? Because, number one, they're at a place in their life physically where, where they've they're really got lots of emotions going on. they got hormones. they got all kinds of things happening in an environment where it's difficult to control your words. But that doesn't excuse you, young people. That's not an excuse to say, okay, I can say whatever I want to, to whoever I want to, however I want to. no. It just may be more difficult, and you got to learn to manage it. And when you do mess up, you got to try to make that right. But you can produce good things. I think about when I was a teenager. There was kids that were being picked on. And I'll never forget, all it would really take was somebody who everyone else looked up to to really go out of their way to include them, and guess what? Then the whole group included them. See, that person had the power to produce good, healthy healing in that environment. But if you talk negative and you're always down on other people, guess what? You're producing bad things, not healthy, refreshing things. And what James is trying to say is, look, to be a Christian is difficult. You're supposed to use your words in a way to honor God. And the way that you honor God is that you use your words in the right kinds of ways. You know, as we close this out, I want you to think about this. I'm just ask a couple of questions that really apply to this. And when you say, okay, I'm a Christian. <clears throat> I've been baptized and I want to follow Jesus. I'm not perfect. I, I, you know, I, I really believe that Jesus paid it all. And I needed him to pay it all for me because like Ian, I was a sinner and I need help and I need his forgiveness. Okay, and that's a great thing. That's a great declaration. Even if you're watching this from a million miles away, wherever you are, that's a fantastic declaration. All right, so now what do I do? Let's just start. You just figure out today I'm going to ask God to help me apply some of this truth about how to use my words in a way that honors God. And here are a few questions that I could ask myself. Number one, am I using my words to teach others truthfully? Whatever my words are, am I using them to teach others truthfully in whatever my role is? 
Am I using my words to direct others rightly? You know, am, I, am I directing people around me in the right direction with my words? Whether that's my kids, my grandkids, my spouse, the people at church. What direction are my words generally moving people? And be honest, if your words are generally moving people in a direction that's not positive or away from God, look, don't keep going. Just stop. And maybe you don't even know how to stop. Ask God to help you. But don't just keep talking that way and directing people in the wrong way. Am I using my words to build others up? Honestly. Now, not any one little specific thing. I'm talking about in general. Is the general direction of the way you use your words, is it building others up or is it tearing them down? And if it's tearing them down, stop. Figure out what the process is because that's not what you're supposed to do. I mean, I love you, but I mean, it's just not. Don't do that no more. I mean, and figure out how you're going to stop. And when you do that, ask God to forgive you and start using your words in the right way. Am I using my words to praise God sincerely? And when you come to church, maybe you're not a, a loud singer. That's okay. I mean, do you really praise God with your lips or are you too proud to do that? You know, do you, do you praise God with the way you treat other people? All of these things. Do I praise God sincerely? Last, am I using my words to produce goodness, health, and refreshment? I mean, he pretty much just lays this out there about as practical as you can get. Look, if you're a Christian, a, a sincere Christian. Now, anybody can be a Christian in name only. That's I mean, that means nothing. I mean, history's full of people who just said, okay, yeah, don't want to go to hell, I'm going to be a Christian. But then they do whatever they want to, which in reality the Bible says what? They're not a Christian. They're just a person who's like a demon or a devil. They just say whatever they, you know, feels good in the moment. No, if you want to be a sincere Christian, we looked at that last week, you're going to place your faith in Christ and you're going to try to live as a disciple. And so this is what you have to do and try to use your words in the right kind of way. And I guess it boils down to this, really, this question. Are you... Am I controlling my tongue? Now, none of us are perfect, but really, if we're honest with ourselves, and if we're not going to be honest, then I mean, really, what's the point? All right, if you're honest with yourself, if you're looking at today and you're saying, okay, am I controlling my tongue on a scale of 1 to 10? 10 being, man, I am producing good things, I'm teaching people, I'm building other people up, I'm directing people. I mean, you're just knocking it out of the park, home run. Great. Keep it up. One, as, as your daughter was doing earlier, down, you know what I'm saying? Like, no, you, you, I mean, look, you're tearing people down. You're not teaching people good things. You're not building anybody up. Matter of fact, you, you, you're cursing people, all these things. You're not producing goodness. You're producing ugly, bad things, not health, but hurt. And you're not refreshing, but you're just discouraging. All right, so somewhere in this spectrum, where are you at? Ten here. One here. Look, I, I gotta judge myself. I ain't worried. About, I can't worry about you. I'm just worried about where I'm at. Okay, and so, but before you make this decision about what you're gonna do from there, all right? So where you are is where you are. The question is, what are you gonna do about that? And before you make a decision about whether you're just gonna kind of keep on going along where you're at and be satisfied with that and not worry about it, I want you to remember 
what James said back in chapter 1, verse 26. Listen to what he says right here. Put that up there, Brennan. Because this is tough. He says, if you claim to be religious, which everybody in here has a certain claim on being religious or they wouldn't be here. You wouldn't be in this church if you didn't have some claim on having a religious practice, okay? But if you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, meaning you don't use your words right or you're not trying to use your words right, you are fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. I didn't say that. That's what the Bible says. I mean, the Bible says, look, if you say, I'm a Christian, it's very important to me, I love God, but you don't want to control your tongue. I mean, don't, look, you can lie to yourself. I'm not going to lie to you. It's not real. It's, it's, it's not even useful. What's going to make it useful and valuable is if what? If you say, okay, here's where I'm at, and I'm going to try to get to where God wants me to get. By controlling my tongue more. I'm not going to let my emotions rule me. And when they do, I may remove myself from the situation. When I have a negative thought that I want to let out of my mouth so bad about them, I'm just going to... Look, what does Proverbs say? Even a fool is thought wise if he just keeps quiet. Sometimes you just got to say nothing. So that whenever you do say something, it's meaningful and that you say the right things. And look, it's hard. And don't think for a minute, if you decide today that, you know what... That makes a lot of sense. I have not controlled my words as I should. I'm going to do better. I promise you this. The fact that you're going to start trying means you're going to have resistance coming at all sides because now the forces of darkness, they don't want you. They don't want you to build other people up. I mean, they don't want you to teach people about the goodness of God. They don't want you to praise God sincerely. That's not what this world wants. They want you as a Christian to continue to fail and not be what you should be. So you got to even be stronger in the face of that type of resistance. And the good news is, we can. I'm living proof. There's, there's so much growth I have seen at times in my own ability to use words. Of course, it's not, it's not one of those things that once you get there, you don't ever go back, unfortunately. You can, you can grow, but if you don't stay on top of how you use your words, guess what happens? you'll find yourself falling back into some of the same old patterns, and you don't want to do that. No, you want to use your words to live up to what Jesus did for you on the cross. And if you think about it, I mean, is it really, is it really too much to even ask God to say, you know what, I was willing to sacrifice myself on the cross through Jesus. I was willing to have my beard plucked out. I was willing to let somebody spit in my face and not even respond in cursing. I was willing to take a terrible beating on your behalf. And one of the things that I'd ask is that you use your words to love other people, to treat them right, to build them up, produce good things. You know, when you put it in perspective like that, man, it really makes you, or it should, it does me at least, it makes me look at kind of where I'm at on that spectrum and say, okay, I can do better than that where I'm at. I ain't saying I can be perfect, but I, I can do better. I can talk better. I can use my words better. And that's what I hope and pray you will do today in response to what the Scriptures say. Let's bow. Dear Heavenly Father, 
I pray that you would help each of us as believers in your son Jesus to learn to control this very powerful thing inside of us called a tongue. To use our words in appropriate ways. Forgive us, Lord, for when we have burned down many things, people hurt others and ourselves. We're sorry. We need your forgiveness, and we are very grateful that you offer it to us. Help us, Lord, to do better. Help me, Lord, this week to take better control of the words that come from my mouth. I pray you would help each person with a sincere desire, whether they're here in person or watching this online, to do the same. We ask in Christ's name. Amen.